Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. Thank you for tuning in. Jason Vandeveer with you this afternoon. Uh, I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Parker, Colorado. So good to be with you. And uh, you can find more information about our fellowship, calvarychapelparker.com. That's calvarychapelparker.com. And you can join us on the program. You probably heard the number there, but in case uh, you don't know it by heart or you missed it, uh, 303-690-3000. You can call that number no matter where you are. Uh, and you will get through 303-690-3000. You can also text us uh, with your question, your comment, your prayer request uh, at 720-336-0897. So love to have you call that number again, 303-690-3000, or you can text 720-336-0897. Do me a favor, uh, if you do decide to text, uh, just if you could give us a a short one-sentence text of your prayer request uh, or your question. Um, It'd be easy to digest it and then answer as many of those as possible uh, while uh, while we're on the air. So uh, depending on how the call flow goes and and how busy all that is, uh, we'll get to as many of those text questions as we can, but we'd love to have you join us uh, on the program here. Appreciate everybody listening up and down the front range of Colorado and into Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to all of our uh, listeners in that area and in those areas. And then, of course, uh, our Truth FM listeners in the South, Kentucky, North Carolina, Tennessee. Welcome to all of you. And Hope FM listeners in the Northeast, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Uh, welcome to uh, to you as well. So glad you decided to tune in to Calvary Live. We'll be spending the next hour uh, with you, answering your calls and questions about the Bible and Christianity, uh, taking your prayer requests, and, and you really, your calls and your questions, um, and uh, and your needs are, are really what drive uh, the direction of this show. So 303-690-3000. Again, I'm Jason Vandeveer, pastor of Calvary Chapel in Parker, Colorado, and our website, calvarychapelparker.com. You can find a lot of free resources there, including audio, video studies to download uh, or stream uh, from the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation. And then you can join us uh, throughout the weekend on Sunday morning. Next opportunity will be uh, this Sunday if you're going to be in the Parker, Colorado area, 9 or 1045. Uh, again, directions at calvarychapelparker.com or service reminders. will be continuing in the book of Psalms, uh, the 108th Psalm we'll be picking up uh, in this Sunday morning. And then uh, if you want to join us through during the week, we are in uh, the Song of Solomon. You can get our most recent messages as well uh, from Psalms and Song of Solomon uh, at our website. Uh, we had a, a message called the Day of Gladness uh, from 
Solomon, uh, the third chapter of the Song of Solomon this past Wednesday, uh, where we talked about the return of Jesus Christ with his church uh, after the Great Tribulation. In chapter 2, we see the rapture of the church. In chapter 3 of Song of Solomon in type, we see the return of the groom, the beloved, uh, with the Shulamite, with his bride uh, after the wedding feast and uh, we would say the marriage supper of the Lamb, according to uh, the book of Revelation. He returns uh, to rule and reign uh, with his bride. So uh, you can, like I said, stream that message, uh, go and download it uh, for listening at another time uh, or watching at another time. Uh, a lot of great resources there. We have our devotional, our uh in the Word Daily Devotional available for you at the website. Uh, so we just encourage you to uh, uh, to uh, go to um, uh, CalvaryChapelParker.com and, and just check it out and utilize uh, the resources uh, that are available there to you and to utilize this program uh, available uh, to you here, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Alton in New Jersey. Uh, Alton, uh, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for joining me. Yep, not a problem. What's on your mind? Um, you know, I've just been going through some things. I lost my nephew not too long ago, and uh, I'm just trying to get closer to God again. You know, so I'm just calling for prayer, for uh, strengthening direction, you know, and prayer for my family as well. Excellent. Well, let's let's uh, let's pray right now, Alton. Father, I just thank you. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for Alton for just picking up uh, that phone, dialing, calling in. Lord, so often when, uh, Lord, we need things, Lord, we just we, we, we realize we need them, but we don't ask. And as you say in your word, we ha we don't have because we don't ask. And so uh, that's one of the reasons. And so, Lord, I just thank you that that uh, he has the faith, uh, not just to ask, but to ask you. And so, Lord, we, we come with our prayers to you. And uh, we just lift up Alton, just pray uh, just for a deepening uh, of that relationship with you, just a, a strengthening uh, of that relationship with you. And, and Lord, uh, the tragedy, the difficulty that he's coming out of right now, Lord, you, uh, the beauty of that is, is that you can use anything, and you can especially use that, uh, Lord, to accomplish uh, that desire that you put in his heart just to know you in a deeper way. So we just pray. I, I pray for... Uh, uh, a fresh renewal uh, of your spirit in his life. Lord, we see often in your word in the book of Acts where uh, where uh, the Holy Spirit came upon uh, those early believers and, and they, they were filled anew. Lord, they were strengthened anew. And so we just pray for a, a fresh uh, uh, coming upon experience and, and strengthening for Alton. Lord, that you would just be with him, that you would encourage him, that the joy of the Lord would be his strength, that you would pour out your gifts upon him, that you would use him mightily for your glory, and that he would just enjoy the deepest relationship possible with you, and that that relationship would overflow and touch everyone around him, Lord. Uh, we, we ask these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Alton, I appreciate uh, appreciate you calling in, and, and thank you. Yeah, keep keep you know, feel free to call in any time. Let us know how it's going. Give us a chance to pray for you. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you, and I'll receive your prayers. Hey, God bless you, my friend. God bless you.
303-690-3000. If you want to join me on Calvary Live, Jason Vandeveer with you. Let's go to Dave uh, back here in Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. Welcome, Dave. Blessings. How you doing? I'm doing good. How, uh, what's on your mind? How are you? Well, Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. We're supposed to be living the Beatitudes. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I think when you look at the Beatitudes, uh, Jesus is, is uh, well, the whole Sermon on the Mount, uh, he's teaching us uh, how we should live. Did I lose you? No, no, I'm listening. Okay, great. Yeah. So, so specifically, yeah. So, your question is just on the on the first twelve verses, then in the sermon, right? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, the first twelve. Yeah. What what specific? What's on your mind? Well, okay. Now, I've been with Calvary Chapel for a few years, but I was involved with the Catholic Church for a while. Okay. In their catechism, I don't know if you've ever read the catechism of the Catholic Church, but it's called the Rite of Christian Initiation, okay. where you're initiated as a Christian in the Church, in the Catholic Church. Right. So what happens is they teach you about the Beatitudes, and the teachings of the Beatitudes is we're supposed to live up to the Beatitudes or live the Beatitudes in our walk with God. Now, I don't know if you believe that or if you can expand on that or what. Yeah, well, here's the, here's the the main difference, and and what a lot of people don't realize about the Catholic Church is is that the Catholic Church has a different method of salvation. In other words, when I talk about grace, I'm familiar with Vatican's one and two. I'm familiar with the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and and when we talk about uh, grace in the Catholic Church, you you may or may not have been taught this, but but the Catholic Church teaches what's called first actual grace. That's the term, first actual grace. In other words, it gets you started, but then you have to live according to a certain set of rules, and and then you kind of die and see what happens. And so you don't really know uh, if you're saved or not according to the Catholic Church because it's a salvation, not really based on grace, because as Paul talks about in Romans, if you add works to grace, then grace is no longer grace. So, uh, But Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tell us we're saved by grace, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So Catholicism is salvation uh, based on works. So I would disagree with saying that uh, we must live up to the Beatitudes, and I would say we should. In other words, uh, this is this is a goal, uh, but my salvation is based on grace and is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, not my performance uh, according to the standard. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it really does. It's just people have to have standards to live by, values, sure. morals, sure. you know, develop a godly character, be a godly person. So right. you have to learn righteousness and learn the righteousness of Christ, but you learn to be righteous in your ways, in your walk with God. Right. And so, I mean, the old law is a tutor on how to live with the new covenant, the law and the prophets. We don't live the old covenant. We live the new covenant with Christ. Yeah, slight slight distinction there. The old law is not a, a, a tutor on the new covenant. 
The old law was a tutor that maintained Israel's covenant relationship with God and showed them the need for a savior. In other words, the purpose of the law was to show them that they didn't measure up, to show right, them that they, right. that they couldn't keep the law. It's kind of like when you were a kid and you would go to the amusement park and there was a line, you know, to sh see if you were tall enough to ride the ride. And, and you know, you went up to it and, and maybe you measured up and maybe you didn't. Well, that's kind of how the law is. The law is a standard. Uh, the problem is, is that we can never measure up to the law because the law is perfection. Therefore, it brings us, as Paul says in Romans, also to Christ. And so um, the law, you know, was our schoolmaster uh, to show us the need uh, for a savior. And so, but, but I would agree with you. That doesn't mean that we don't desire to live righteous lives. Um, because, you know, we're just because we're not always capable of doing it, we still seek to, as Jesus said, he who loves me keeps my commandments, not the commandments of the Old Testament, uh, but the things that Jesus taught us. And so uh, we, we, we love him and we desire to live righteous lives. But as John says in First John uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 9, um, you know, when we sin, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Bless you. That's awesome. Hey, well, listen. I appreciate you calling in. Does that kind of uh, kind of answer, you know, the questions? Yeah, it that really you had does. You know, just making the adjustments, trying to see it the Protestant way, and then see it the Catholic way to kind of see because the Reformation, the Catholic was the mother church, mm -hmm. and they broke off with the reformers, and then other denominations were created, correct? Yeah, I mean, basically Catholic means universal. And so in the sense, they, they identify themselves as the original and the universal church. I would suggest to you that what developed, you know, in terms of Catholicism, largely by like the third and fourth century, wasn't the original universal church uh, in the sense that we see it in the scriptures. Um, that developed. Then, of course, you, you had the, the Reformation in, in the 16th century, and uh, I think for good reason. And people should understand the, that the, the Reformation wasn't a small thing, that it's, it's really the difference between salvation or a lack of salvation because of the true understanding of what it means to be saved by grace uh, through faith. And so uh, th that's a very important distinction, regardless of, you know, what you call yourself uh, or what denomination, you know, you may be a part well, of. Well, I was baptized Baptist. I went to a Pentecostal Bible college for mm -hmm. a little bit. So, you know, I just, I have a girlfriend, she's part Catholic, part Bi Baptist, so it's kind of like learning to see it both ways. Yeah, the problem is you can't see it both ways. In other words, I can't say, you know, the sky is blue and the sky is green. There's right. there's grace in works, and, and the two in terms of, of salvation are not compatible. Um, you, you know, in other right. Words, no, I see what you're saying yeah. there. I see. Yeah. And so that's yeah. really, that's really the issue. You know, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, are Catholics good people are Catholics bad. It's not as, is Catholicism, you know, 
is everything wrong about Catholicism? No, we're not saying those things, but we're saying we need to look at the distinctives of, of what biblical Christianity is and what salvation is. Uh, and then we need to look at the distinctives of any church and see where they line up on that. And, and you know, if you're unwilling to do that, then you might come to some wrong conclusions. But as long as you are willing to do that, um, you're going to understand uh, you know, where some of these different groups lie. And most importantly, you're going to stand uh, understand where you're at in terms of your relationship. Right, right. right. It's called learning sound doctrine. Yeah, it's important. And because uh, we know that in these last days, um, you know, there the is Antichrist a, will come to deceive. And there's a lot of deception. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, listen, Dave, God bless you, my friend. Yeah, God bless you. Thanks a lot for sharing that with me. Yeah, I appreciate you calling in and talking. All right, God bless. See you, buddy. 303-690-3000, Jason Vanderveer with you here on Calvary Live. We've gone from one end of the country, not quite to the other end of the country, but uh, from New Jersey back here uh, to Colorado. But uh, we've got uh, lines open no matter where you are. If you're in Colorado or Wyoming, if you're in Kentucky, North Carolina or Tennessee, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, if you're listening online, we know that uh, often we have listeners all over the world listening uh, online. I didn't welcome you. Welcome to all of you as well. Uh, you can uh, dial the phone uh, now or just put it in as a uh, contact in your phone for later on or for another show, 303-690-3000. Uh, uh, or you can text me, 720-336-0897. And uh, we have a text uh, prayer request uh, for uh, those believers uh, who are isolated due to illness. Uh, and, and just a reminder of, of, uh, of the hurt and the loneliness and, and, and all that they go through. And absolutely, we want to remember those. It's, it's, it's unfortunate that sometimes uh, I think that we do uh, forget those because we don't see them. And, 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 but uh, to not be able to get out and to be able to fellowship, uh, our hearts go out, or to be isolated uh, maybe uh, geographically, uh, far from churches as some believers are around the world or far from uh, uh, true believers and Bible teaching churches. Lord, we do just lift up those uh, who, are, uh, who are alone. Lord, those who perhaps due to illness are isolated, uh, Lord, or due to age uh, or, or whatever the case may be. Lord, we pray that, that, uh, that you would bring people to them, that you would bring the church to them through technology and through uh, people. Lord, being aware of their presence and, and, and being aware of their needs. Lord, we just pray that you would comfort them. And, and when some of these things even aren't possible, Lord, we pray that you, uh, that you would just move supernaturally and spiritually, uh, Lord, to protect them, uh, to comfort them. Uh, and to encourage them, Lord. We thank you for this reminder of this uh, from this listener uh, to uh, uh, to pray for these individuals as well, uh, Lord. And and we pray that they would often uh, be on our hearts and in our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. We well, appreciate that, and uh, of course appreciate uh, all of you. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Let's go to Don in Wheat Ridge. Don, welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor Jason. How are you? I'm doing really good. Uh, there's Excellent. just a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. Yeah. I know in uh, Romans chapter 12, it talks about the gifts that God can give you. Mm -hmm. 
And I was just wondering. Now I got to write this down because I don't. I'm not on the internet. I don't okay. have a cell phone, and I don't have an iPad. So everything I have to write down. But <laughs> I was just wondering uh, where else in the Bible that it talks about the gifts that God can give you. Right. Yeah. So first off, you, you know, you mentioned Romans, and then there's also in uh, Corinthians. Corinthians. Uh, he talks about uh, about gifts uh, as well uh, in First Corinthians. There, okay. uh, chapter twelve. Hold on, hold on a second. I'm writing this down because I have to write everything down. <laughs> well, you're like me. Chapter uh, one. Uh, what? Which? What verse? First uh, Corinthians, chapter twelve. Chapter twelve. Um, Yep, exactly. He he talks about uh, the gifts in 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 First Corinthians chapter twelve. He he talks about it a little bit again in chapter uh, fourteen of First okay. Corinthians. 14. Um and uh, but that's pretty much uh, those are the uh, kind of the main uh, uh, Romans eleven and uh, well Romans twelve, First Corinthians twelve. Uh, those are kind of the two main passages. Obviously, the subject uh, comes up uh, elsewhere uh, in Scripture, but I would say not to the extent that it does in those two chapters. Okay. Um, so, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, sounds like you've already spent some time in Romans 12. So, yes, so I did. we could talk a little bit more about 1 Corinthians 12. It, it talks about how there's one body, but there's many members of that body and how we all don't have the same gift, how there's uh, diversities of gifts, but the same spirit uh, that uh, that is working uh, in all. And so basically, you know, uh, uh, it goes through, you know, a listing uh, uh, of that, the purposes of the gifts, and then, you know, it talks about... Uh, so uh, is that in Corinthians? It is in chapter 12. Okay. It talks about gifts of healing and helps and okay. administrations and the gift of tongues. Uh, which uh, some people kind of abuse, unfortunately, but is, uh, you know, uh, then he call, talks about uh, uh, offices, uh, apostles, prophets, teachers, talks about the working of miracles. And, and, and uh, so, yeah, First Corinthians, I would say Romans what? 12, 1 you know Corinthians 12. Yeah. It's amazing what um, miracles are happening all the time. I'm seeing them all the time. And I, and see what I do is, uh, I listen. I listen and I hear the miracles and I I watch, I look and I see the miracles. And a, a lot of people I think get discouraged, you know, they don't believe uh that miracles happen, but they're happening all the time, but you have to open your eyes and you have to open your ears and you will see and you will hear. Exactly. Well, you know, and depends. So a lot of times people are looking maybe for the wrong thing. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And they say, well, you know, uh, I, I don't see miracles today. You know, well. <laughs> listen, I see them all the day. I see them every day. Yeah, you see them all the time. You know, it, yes. it, 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 well, and, you know, uh, let's let's be realistic. If you're not really walking with uh, the Lord, then 
then you're not going to see him uh, necessarily work to the same degree, although he is gracious and, and, and he's e even kind to unbelievers, uh, often doing things in their lives even when they don't ask. But, um, but, but uh, uh, you're not going to see it the way that you do. You know, you're praying to the Lord and praying for other people and seeing the Lord work in that way in their life and seeing the Lord bringing people to Christ. Every time somebody raises their hand and accepts Christ at church, that's an enormous miracle. The Bible says oh, yes. that the angels are rejoicing in heaven. You know, what, what bigger miracle do we need to see than someone passing from death uh, to life? But we've seen uh, people, the Lord, just doing miracles of healing and providing jobs and restoring uh, relationships and, 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 and so many uh, beyond that. So I'm with you. I, 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 I think the Lord is, is working uh, miraculously every moment of every day every around us. Every moment every day. Yep. I you know I give him thanks and praise every 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 day um you know be, I pray in the mornings I've been praying every day for years now and I I want people to know that you know uh some people don't pray because they you know they may not believe or they say they believe but I and I'm not judging anyone I'm not judging anyone but I've been praying for years I pray in the mornings. I have my set prayers in the mornings. And then mm -hmm. whenever I'm doing something, it's so neat. It's the way things have been happening with me is I might be doing something that I'm planning on doing. And, and I, I say a prayer to the Lord, to Jesus Christ, my Holy Father, my Holy Spirit. I say I say a prayer. And um, it's amazing how it just goes and, and, and turns out exactly, the, you know, and nothing that bad happened. It turned out just the way he wanted it to happen. And and I, I want to tell this to people because, you know, this is what I do. And then before I go to bed, I pray. I pray before I go to bed. And I give the Lord, I give I give Jesus Christ and the Holy Father and the Holy Spirit uh, thanks. You know, I, I praise them before I go to bed for, for my day going good. And I do that every day. And, you know, it's just something that I, I got into doing on a regular basis. Well, and and so that's scriptural. The Bible teaches us to to even pray without ceasing, to pray morning, to pray at night, and even you know to to just moment by moment throughout the day when we think of something or the Lord does something, just to very quickly thank Him or when we need Him yes. uh, in, in that moment, just to thank Him. So, hey, listen, Don, does that answer your question? Yeah, uh, and that did on gifts. But now I just want to do so, something really quick here. Yep. All I need to know, I know that. Uh, uh, um, uh, this is about prophecies, okay? And I just need to know where it where it speaks in the Bible on prophecies, because uh, with everything that's going on in the world right now, with the floods and the fires and uh, earthquakes, and uh, there's uh, 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 volcanoes erupting now, and um, uh, as far as the prophecies go, you know, I mean, is this? I I do believe we're kind of in the end times. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, you know, just everything that's been happening. Mm -hmm. I was wondering where it talks about the prophecies in the Bible. Yeah, well, so you've got a lot of places that, that you can go. The things that we're seeing today, you know, Jesus described them as uh, like labor. 
In other words, they're, they're like birth pangs that are going to increase uh, both in intensity and in proximity the closer that we get to the return of Jesus Christ uh, for his church. And so that's what I believe that you're seeing. It's spoken of in, in the book of Revelation. Revelation. I, yeah. I knew it was in Revelations, but, yeah. and I, I read Revelations, but I couldn't remember exactly where in Revelations. Yeah. Well, basically, you're going to see prophecy in the book of Revelation throughout, but predominantly from chapter 4 uh, on. And so uh, okay. through through chapter uh, 21, and that uh, mostly is kind of the, the, the bulk of it. But you also have Jesus' own words of prophecy in Matthew 24 and Matthew, Matthew 25. 24. Yeah, you have uh, the book of Daniel, which is, of course, all prophecy. Then you have all of the major and minor now, where prophets. Where in Daniel is it? Well, the whole book of Daniel. Oh, the whole book is, of Daniel. Is, is, okay. Is, yeah, is, is I mean, there is some historical narrative in Daniel, but but uh, so much of it is prophecy that dovetails uh, with the the book of Revelation. Uh, okay. So, I, yeah, I, I I would encourage you to uh, you know uh, find. Uh, it, you're welcome to go to our website. You're welcome to go to. There's a lot of other websites uh, that you can go to. But if you go to CalvaryChapelParker.com, you know I, I'm not on the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You said that. Um, then you. May wanna, you may want to pick up a book, uh, uh, any of the books uh, by Pastor Chuck Smith. He had uh, Pastor Chuck has a book called What the World is Coming to. Okay, What, uh, what the World is Coming to. Oh, yeah, boy. Yeah, you know and, what? Uh, I, I was, I've been, like I said, I've been listening to uh, what I found your station. It was probably about four years ago I found it. And um, I listened to Pastor Chuck, you know. Yeah. And, and I know he was the one who started Calvary, yep. you know, and uh, boy, just even listening to him, it's just amazing. Yeah, I would I would recommend, uh, you know, Ch- Pastor Chuck has several uh, prophetic, um, you know, uh, works on the prophetic aspects of Scripture. Also, Joel Rosenberg, uh-huh. uh, he has some fiction, but also some nonfiction. So um, I've got to run. Yeah, uh, no, it's, it's break time. Yeah, we're going to get cut off, Tom, but God okay. bless you. Take care, folks. 303-690-3000. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And welcome back to Calvary Live. Jason Vanderveer with you. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Parker, Colorado. CalvaryChapelParker.com is where you can find us on the web. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. And we have uh, a couple callers have been waiting patiently. One uh, of those is Deborah from Cheyenne. Deborah, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm doing really well. What's, uh, what's your question today? My question is about the parable of the seeds, uh-huh. and I wonder if um, that parable is in relation to people, I guess, just hearing the word, or does that impact like a believer? So say you believe, and then, you know, for whatever reason, well, lots of reasons, maybe you've kind of gotten off the path a little bit, mm-hmm. and then you come back, and I guess... Um, I guess, does that mean, does that have any relation to maybe something like that? Well, yeah, so so the parable of the sower is uh, in, in three of the four Gospels. It's in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. 
And mm-hmm. uh, basically in the parable, uh, I just kind of base my comments initially from the first uh, gospel, Matthew there, and then, and then we can um, go on. The beauty of uh, Matthew's gospel is, is that Jesus, we have Jesus explaining the parable of the sower in Matthew, beginning in Matthew 13, 18. So you have the parable in Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9, and then 18 through 23, you have Jesus actually interpreting the parable for the disciples and for us. So in the parable of the sower, of course, you have three different types of seeds. You have the, 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 the wayside, um, the wayside was the side of the road where everybody walked. So it was hard packed, you know, that shiny dirt that nothing can penetrate, you know, that's the wayside. And so the seed just sits on top of the soil. The birds devour it. The seed never penetrates. So seed, uh, the soil in the parable of the sower is a picture of the heart. And the seed, as we look at the interpretation, is the word of God. So the word of God doesn't penetrate some hearts, other hearts, stony places. In other words, there's some loose soil, but then there's some rock uh, beneath that loose soil. And so the depth of the soil isn't, isn't very much. So the seed starts to grow a little bit, uh, but then when there's no place for the roots to grow, um, you know, the, 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 the sun scorches it. Then the third seed is thorns. The thorns choke out, you know, whatever would grow. And then the fourth really, you know, you might say, you know, uh, one-fourth or 25% of the seed or however you want to do it. I mean, I, I wouldn't try to equate that to numbers when it comes to people, uh, but but really only one-fourth uh, of the seed, um, you know, falls on uh, uh, good soil and then produces fruit. Now, as I said, the, the parable of the sower is in, is in three Gospels, and in... Um, as I said, there, there's a full interpretation in Matthew. There's some interpretation in the others as well. But um, but in uh, Luke 8, 12, um, Jesus says this about the wayside. He said, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So when we're talking about the parable of, uh, uh, of the sower, ultimately we're talking about salvation. Uh, I've heard people say, well, it's just about fruit bearing, but Luke 8, 12 clearly says that's not the case. And so there is an aspect of fruit bearing in the life of the believer, um, but first and foremost, it's, it's, it, first it's about salvation. And only one type of the soil truly receives the word of God. And since it has received the word of God, not only is that person saved, but then they, <clears throat> excuse me, then they're going to bear fruit. Oh, good. <laughs> because that, let's look at that way too. It's about salvation, and yes. I got to thinking: Is my do I am I really saved? Even though I accepted <laughs> Jesus years ago, I mean, I just went down a bad path, sure. and have come back from it. And you know, I'm, I'm voraciously running after God, but I just didn't know if did I recognize that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know well, I mean? you, you know, here's the deal. If we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we're saved. Uh, Romans chapter 10 says, If you confess with the ma- with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, Paul says, you're saved. You know, you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So you're not like a, a, a pendulum. You're not a, a theological, you know, yo-yo where one minute, you're here, but the next minute you're there simply because of the choices that you made, and that's because of the grace of God. 
Um, so, you know, sometimes we go down paths we shouldn't go down. And when we realize we've gone down that path, we stop uh, and we go back um, to our first love, to where we started, and we get right with the Lord and we confess our sins, as John says, and I mentioned earlier in First John 1, verse 9, and, and we go forward uh, with the Lord. But all the while, we're in that uh, saved relationship with the Lord. And since we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, naturally, since as, as John says in, or Jesus says in John 15, since we're connected, we're abiding in the vine, uh, we're going to bear much fruit. And so, you know, you just get back to that place of, of bearing fruit, you know, for the Lord, of, of, of fruitfulness and faithfulness uh, to the Lord because of the grace of God. Oh, thank you. That makes, <laughs> that makes me so happy. Thank yeah. you for, so, for helping me with that question. Absolutely. And, and if you're, you know, the enemy will come and try to play tricks and games, uh, you know, with you and cause you to feel guilty and to doubt. Um, you know, if we never see in the scriptures, if we are down the wrong road, as we're talking about, and as we're doing those th things we shouldn't, and as, as we're sinning, we never see, well, we're supposed to just sit there and feel guilty and to feel hopeless. No, we're told to confess our sins, that the Lord forgives us, and to get back on track. And that's the beauty of serving Jesus Christ, is, is that we can confess our sins, get back on track, and, and uh, behold, he makes all things new, as the scripture says. Well, bless you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> that puts a lot of joy in my heart, and i got to quit listening to the liar. Well, so. yes, and weight lifted. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't lay burdens. He lifts burdens. And uh, so uh, God bless you, Deborah. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pastor, and have a wonderful, blessed day. You as well. I appreciate you calling so much. Let's go to Isabella, also in Cheyenne. Isabella, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are you? I'm doing really well. How's your day going? It's going pretty well. Excellent. What's on your mind? So I have a question. I have a friend who, before they were a believer, which is pretty recent, um, they ran up a lot of credit card debt, medical debt, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and now that they're a believer, they realize that they need to be a good steward of their finances and, and you know, that we're entrusted with the things that the Lord Jesus has given us yeah. and to not squander them on things that are of this world and, you know, which is easy to do when you're, when you're following, when you're not following Jesus, yeah. of course. Right. Um, so they're looking at um, like a bankruptcy now because they've gotten themselves so far into debt that they're like, yeah, I can't get out of this. I think they're looking at, you know, chapter seven bankruptcy. I just kind of wanted to get what's the biblical perception on bankruptcy? I mean, how does that work? I, you know, she's looked it up, I've looked it up, and it, there's there's so many different yeah. versions out there yeah. of, like, you know, so that's, that's my question. <laughs> yeah, so, so let's talk about, you know, let's talk about bankruptcy in relationship, you know, to being a believer, and, 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 uh, and specifically, you know, what the Bible has to say. Well, the, the, the first thing I would say is this. Um, we have a responsibility to to pay what we owe. It, it, you you can look at it as a promise. Does a Christian have to? Should a Christian keep their promises? I think we would all say yes. So if we think about a a, a 
you know, a debt as a promise, we have a responsibility uh, to keep that promise. And, and, um, and I don't recommend, I just got through teaching recently the book of Ecclesiastes, and there's a lot of bad doctrine in the book of Ecclesiastes because it's written at the end of Solomon's life when he's not walking with the Lord, but not all of the doctrine in Ecclesiastes is wrong. In other words, some of it's written from the wrong perspective to teach us, but some of it's from the right perspective. And Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4 and 5 tells us that when we make a vow to God that we shouldn't delay uh, in in paying that vow. So we've made a vow, we've made a promise, we have a, a responsibility that that we should pay that. The second thing that we should consider is is and, and you kind of um, uh, touched on this a little bit, but um, but living on you know credit and and then not paying um, back what we owe. That, that's not really a characteristic of a believer. That's a characteristic of an unbeliever. Um, the, I think of the uh, 37th Psalm that talks about how um, the wicked borrows but doesn't repay, but the righteous uh, shows mercy and gives. So Christians you know, shouldn't be behaving like those who aren't unbelievers. We're, we're called to, uh, to a, higher, uh, a higher standard. Now, you know, I think a lot of people see, um, you know, bankruptcy as as kind of a quick fix um you know and, and i guess the question is is then you know is it okay um to to accept this quick fix simply you know because it's it's legal um i would say that based on what i've just shared with you the answer is no that just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right or that we as a believer are are not called to a higher standard i believe a, a christian should pay um what they've agreed to pay under you know whatever arrangements they made that are or, or, uh, you know original uh, uh, uh agreement and you know as you also pointed out that you know that may mean a change in in lifestyle that may mean a change in budget that may mean a change in mentality in terms of of stewardship as uh of of the resources that you have as part of um you know a godly life and so um you know, uh, uh, I will say this: bankruptcy, and and uh, there are different types of bankruptcy. Um, some types of bankruptcy don't um, wipe out the debt; they postpone repayment. Um, so obviously, that's not necessarily what we're talking about here. Um, we would just be talking about bankruptcy that really wipes out someone's obligation to to then pay that debt and leaves somebody somewhere uh, on the hook. Uh, for that bad debt, and so uh, you know, um, this is something that that unfortunately is fairly common, uh, but uh, I don't think should be uh, common um, or really should happen amongst believers. Um, there's a a uh, uh, Larry Burkett's kind of you know uh, or has been an, uh, the author of a lot of resources. You've I'm sure heard his name before and. Um, Larry Burkett uh, wrote a book uh, called uh, How to Manage Your Money, an in-depth uh, Bible study on personal finances. And so, you know, I would, I would uh, recommend that uh, as, as uh, a good resource uh, when it comes to subjects like this and Christian finances as a whole. Well, I appreciate your help. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Does that, uh, I mean, uh, hopefully that gets you in the direction of what the information you were looking for? It does. I I appreciate your help. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. God bless you, Isabella. Take care. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Jason Vanderveer with you on Calvary Live. Let's go to Dan in Aurora. 
Dan, I think you are the closest caller uh, to me <laughs> yet, which is not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a, a comment, but welcome to the program. How you doing? I'm doing good. Um, yeah, thanks for joining me. All right, me. so my question is about a lot of what I hear commentary on when Satan is released from the abyss. Yeah. It sounds like he's released during the end of the millennium. Yes. And it, when I read it myself, it kind of sounds like the millennium is completed, and then after the millennium, Satan is released for a short time. Yeah, you would be. So then correct. I would assume the thousand years was done. Yeah, you would be correct in in, in that. Um, you know, obviously. So depending on you know who you're reading, listening to, there are different ideas about the the, the millennial reign of Christ. There's um, you know. Uh, what's called the premillennial view. There's a postmillennial view, the amillennial view. The, the premillennial view is, is that uh, uh, Jesus Christ returns prior to a literal thousand-year reign on earth. Postmillennial is the, that the millennium kind of ushers in the return of Jesus Christ. Amillennial is that it's all spiritual. It's not literal at all. So depending on where somebody was coming from, you might hear different interpretations. But that said, from a premillennial view, which I believe is the best understanding uh, of Scripture, when we look at Revelation chapter 20, uh, verse 7, it tells us very clearly when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. Now, we saw him bound in the abyss uh, prior to that for the thousand years, uh, and, right. and uh, earlier in the chapter, uh, in verse 2, and then he's released at the close of the thousand years. He leads a, a, a brief rebellion, and then, uh, then he's judged so then, and, and cast into the lake of fire. So then if we're looking at the end of Revelation 17, when it says the ten kings give, come to power for a short time, to give their power to Satan. Yep. That's all after the millennium as well, then, correct? Because they give their power to Satan for a short time, so then Satan could deceive the nations, and then they can come against the Lamb in the great city, right? Yeah, no, the Revelation chapter 17, so so obviously uh, we're getting so at the into end of it, I think it's the, the last four or five verses of the end of chapter 17 talks about the ten kings that... Yeah. Yeah. don't have power, and they get their power, but From they only Satan. get it for a short time to give it to Satan, for Satan to come against the Lamb in the great city. But the only time the Lamb is in the great city for Satan to come against them is in the millennium. No, so so when you look at chapter 17, the, the, the greater subject of chapter 17 is the judgment uh, of the, the harlot, and, it, and it's um, kind of the first part of the judgment of... Uh, of Mystery Babylon, if you go back to chapter 5. So when you get further on down to verse 12, um, you see the ten horns being the ten kings who have received no authority as yet, but they will receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. Um, they're these ten leaders who align themselves with the beast. We saw them actually back in Revelation um, you see them back in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. They, they don't have a kingdom, but they
they received their authority because of their alliance with the beast. Now, the grand question is, is who are they? Is this, you know, the UN? Is this the EU? You know, is, is this something else that doesn't exist yet? Um, but if, you know, it's difficult to say, but let me continue. Verse 13, it says, these are of one mind. They will give their power and authority uh, to the beast. So the power and authority that they have, they, they, they basically... Uh, they give that right back to the beast, uh, and it says they'll make war with the lamb and, and overcome them. So they make war with the lamb at the Battle of Armageddon, which, uh, which we see uh, in uh, we see it mentioned in 16, but then you really see it uh, in chapter 19. And so, yeah, go ahead. So, but Armageddon mm-hmm. is when Christ comes down out of the sky and he's revealed. And he sets up the Millennium Kingdom. Right. So I exactly. don't get how he could be in the in there for Satan to come against him. He's only in the city at the end, you know, for Satan I, to come against I, him. I guess I don't understand your confusion. So let me give you a, a, a kind of a, a pullback and give you a, a broader view. So we have the uh, chapter 17 I don't put in the Millennium. Chapter chapter 17 is in the Tribulation. So you have the Tribulation. So if you look at so if we look at 17, verse 8, it talks about the beast that once was, is now not, and is about to come out of the abyss. Well, if he's now not, that would tell me that he's in the abyss No, currently. no, no. No, see, when you, when you look at the beast, the beast is the Antichrist, not Satan. You've got to remember who the, the, the kind of the false trinity is. You have the, the beast, the Antichrist. In other words, the Antichrist. You have the devil or Satan, the dragon, and you have the false prophet. You have this, but this satanic does trinity. It state, does it state that he's going to come out of the abyss to face destruction? And that's Satan, no, no, not no, the no, Antichrist. No, but what it does talk about is he receives a mortal wound. So the beast receives so, this mortal wound. So the beast that you saw was and is not and who rises uh, and will uh, ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So uh, the ultimately being judged but so the point is is that this is the beast uh, the antichrist not satan uh and the timing is prior to uh the battle of armageddon and prior to the millennial reign of christ not during the millennial reign or 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 after the book of revelation is very interesting and and what i would suggest to you is is most people don't realize but the book of revelation actually is 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 like almost completely chronological once you get past chapter three and the messages to the churches um you know there is a little bit there's a mention of armageddon in 16 but you don't see uh, armageddon until 19 but it it very much is uh, uh, a chronological book in other words it's not you know bouncing from the tribulation to the millennium and back it's it's very much you know you have the 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 judgments uh, then you have the, the return of Christ, you have the battle of Armageddon, you have the millennial reign, uh, then you have the, uh, the, the great white throne judgment. And so, um, you know, I, I think the things that you're seeing, um, I can understand why, uh, you know, why someone would come to the conclusion that, that they uh, think that that's millennial. Uh, but I would suggest to you um, that, it, that it's not necessarily saying that at all. In fact, I, I don't think that, uh, that, that that is saying that. I can see how, you know, how someone would think that. But, um, but very clearly, it's, it's describing, especially if you look at everything around it and the greater context of that passage, the judgment of Babylon is tribulational. 
and that's that's the context of that passage is Mystery Babylon, um, which is that final uh, world system, uh, religious and economic, that exists during the tribulation, and so that's being judged there. Are you with okay, me? Okay, I the, guess the, I always the, just kind of viewed that more in chapter 13. Yeah, um, well, it, it, that's because you see it, but it's still in the same time period, and so you see something brought up, um, but then you're still in that time period, and then you see it fully fully uh, developed, like I said. Um, okay, yeah, I, just, I was just seeing that kind of, I guess I was just viewing 17.8 and the end of 17 kind of as time markers, and when I was studying it in my interlinear Bible, you know, breaking down the Greek and all of that, mm -hmm. it kind of made it look more like it was millennial to me, and it looked like time markers, so... But yeah, I, I thanks mean, for your thanks for your explanation. Yeah, no, I I I, uh, I understand you know what you're saying, and and you know I don't think that I I think uh, I can understand why someone come to that conclusion. I think the more that you study it, so um, the whole context, you know, in other words, uh, and and I know that you're doing that, but but uh, spend a little bit more time with it, uh, and I think that you'll see, especially when you get to 19. That, that none of that really begins, and in Revelation, you don't really have the millennium. Uh, uh, of course, we see the millennium elsewhere, uh, all throughout the Psalms and all throughout uh, the major and minor prophets, but, uh, but in Revelation, we don't really see it till we get to chapter 20. So if we if we start introducing the millennium uh, in back in chapter 17, uh, in the midst of the tribulation, then it's going to start to 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 mess with uh, interpretation of those things. Hey, I appreciate. Uh, Thank you so much. Yep, appreciate Have calling, a good day. Dan. God bless you. All right, bye. Hey, let's go to Dalton in Fort Collins. Dalton, welcome to the program. Hey, Dalton, are you there? Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing good. What's on your mind? Nothing much. First of all, I'd just like to say that I'm from Parker, so uh, ah. I think it's kind of cool that you preach from there. <laughs> well, thank you, and and uh, you're you're now in uh, Fort Collins, huh? Yes. Ah, do you live there? there for almost three years now. Ah, okay. Well, you know, uh, uh, I, we have uh, uh, a lot of friends uh, up uh, up that way, and I've spent a little bit of time in Fort Collins, beautiful town. And uh, Parker, you know, uh, did you grow up, go to school here? Or? Yeah, I, I, I grew up like all throughout elementary school, everything pretty much but, was raised there. So Yeah, and uh, you've probably been back since. It's probably changed a little bit since then. <laughs> since, since oh, yeah, to, a lot, actually. You, yeah, <laughs> since you probably went from a few thousand to 50,000, 60,000 now. So, and, yeah, uh, it's kind of mad. It, it, it is a little bit different. Hey, what's, uh, Dalton, what's on your mind? Um, well, so I was listening earlier, and I believe it was uh, you were speaking to the woman that was asking about financial advice and uh, uh, about bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. But I caught something that you said that you said that some of the doctrine in Ecclesiastes was, I, I don't know exactly what words you said, or but I guess what I heard was bad or whatever. Um, I was just curious if you could elaborate a little bit more on that, because I don't know if I've ever heard that before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's if you spend some time in Ecclesiastes, you it, it, it doesn't take a lot to come across it, that a lot of the things Solomon says are just flat out wrong. Um, and so, but that's throughout the scripture. There are things that people say, the Bible just records what they say, right or wrong. And so we either learn from them as positive or learn from them as negative examples. Kind of right? like Job? Uh, some of the things, well, 
it, it, people sometimes get the wrong in understanding of Job, but there are, there are times when Job in his frustration says things that he shouldn't, right? And, and right. so in that, res- in that respect, yeah, I, I would say. But, but I would say that Solomon in Ecclesiastes is more egregious in, in, in that. In other words, the, the whole book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon in a, uh, in a backslidden state trying to find meaning in life apart from God. And he comes to the conclusion that it's all just a waste of time. It's all frustrating. It's all hopeless. Well, yeah, he uses this term over and over. In fact, in there, under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. And, and his reasoning is all under the sun. In other words, it's, it's what I would call subsolar. It's earthly instead of, instead of spiritual. So some of the conclusions, many of the conclusions, that he comes to in that state are wrong. I, I wouldn't say that Bible doctrine is wrong. I would say that Solomon's doctrine is wrong in that state. And so okay. but we look at that and we learn from it and we say, yeah, he's wrong, you know, because the Bible says this. But then that doesn't mean that everything that he says is wrong. You know, that's mm-hmm. I think that's a mistake I think that we make in there because he does say some things. He he does have moments of clarity. He does have moments. And, and, and you know, uh, you meet people like that that are backslidden, but they still know God. They still know the Bible, and every once in a while they come off with something, and you're like, "Yeah, they're right. They still get it," you know. And and right. uh, and and there is some of that, of course, in, in in the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay, and so what do you think the significance of? Uh, and this is, I guess, more speculation than anything else, but the significance of having that in the Bible of, of uh, him having some not so or some wrong. Uh, views or whatever in the in, in that book right why in other words why do i think it's there well yeah why, exactly. why is it part of why is it part of the canon of scripture yeah and, right. and i and, and i would say that that's because god gives us both positive and negative examples in other words there's a lot of ways that 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 you can learn um but the beauty and the wisdom of god is is that he doesn't just play one string you know, he, he's playing in a symphony, and that symphony has both major and minor chords, uh, to speak in, you know, musical metaphor for a moment. So, uh-huh. you know, you have the, the pleasant, right-sounding uh, uh, majors, and then you have, you know, kind of the, the harsh or dramatic or, uh, you know, uh, minor chords. I, I think Ecclesiastes is kind of like a minor chord, and, and so you, you, you're learning uh, from a negative example. Uh, uh, and so, you know, we see that in Scripture. We see that, you know, clear back to the book of Genesis in, in the mistakes made by Abraham, the mistakes made by Isaac, the mistakes made by Jacob, the, the, the entire uh, history of the patriarchs and then the tribes of Israel. There's so much negative in there, and, and, and so much is recorded, like uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, tells us that it's recorded as an example to us. In other words, we have positive examples like Daniel. We, we have positive examples like uh, John. We have positive examples even like Job. He was human, but he's a, a, a tremendous example for us. And then, you oh. know, and even at times, Solomon is a positive example. But then you have Solomon in his later life with, you know, a thousand wives and concubines uh, worshiping all of these other gods. So we learn from that as well. Hey, I'm going to have to run, unfortunately. You probably hear the music there. I'd like to talk for another 20 minutes about this. It's really (laughs) fascinating, Dalton. So God bless you, my friend. I appreciate it. You too. Come come see us if you're in the area. Hey, folks, thanks for for listening to Calvary Live. It's Jason Vanderveer with you. God bless you guys, and uh, have a great rest of your day. 
You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.